This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Today, the latest on the border after Title 42 has expired. The man who protected the subway from criminal Jordan Neely is charged, and Elon Musk has named a new Twitter CEO. Who is she, and should we be worried? We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, and as many as 700,000 migrants are currently in Mexico waiting to rush the United States border, according to Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. Now, just for reference, that is larger than the population of the city of Boston. Now, asylum seekers will not actually be processed under the earlier Title VIII measure, where they need to remain in Mexico as they apply to come into the country legally. They will just According to recently revealed Border Patrol documents, they will just be allowed to just be released right on into the country. So as the sun set yesterday in Brownsville, Texas, groups of women and children were being helped across the Rio Grande River, which of course serves as that boundary between Mexico and the United States. And Texas Senator Ted Cruz warned that a massive impending invasion at our southern border will bring tragedy, suffering, and death directly addressing the president, who conspicuously was not there. Watch. Ask yourself. Why is President Biden not here? Why is Kamala Harris not here? Why is Elizabeth Warren not here? Why is AOC, she still owns the white pantsuit, why is she not here with her head buried in her hands? Because they don't give a damn about the dead bodies. Show me the lie. Uh, yesterday in Brownsville, migrants were given packets with United States government-issued cell phones and notices to come back to court. Now, some of these migrants were given court dates as far out as 2027. 2027. Yes, that's what I said. So uh, just for reference, the year is 2023. So they are going to be here 2024, 2025, 2026, and 2027. Um, as you can see here, these documents show the Department of Homeland Security ordered the, the, this particular immigrant to see a DOJ judge on May 26, 2027, at which point they have to prove why they should not be removed from the country. Now, TPUSA Frontlines reporter Savannah Hernandez uh, spoke with an Ecuadorian migrant who illegally crossed the border into the United States. She was given similar court papers to appear before an immigration court in in 2027, and she is currently just waiting in El Paso for her husband to cross over the border again after he was deported to Juarez because, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. He was just waiting for Title 42 to end so that he could come on back over. Here's that exchange watch. She said, what court date did you get after being processed? By the way, just doing her eyelash extensions while she's talking. She says April 26, 2027. 
He asked us, where are you headed? Dallas. Great. He says, you mentioned being with your husband in Juarez. She says, yes, my partner. He says, do you think that with the end of Title 42, she says, I hope he can cross because I do not want to be here alone since I have no family here. I hope on God's grace that he crosses this year or as soon as possible. Wonderful. Uh, Border Patrol agents late last night loaded up buses to take illegal immigrants into, again, back into, like, more into the interiors of the country after being processed by government officials. And, of course, the CBP agents asked the reporters to steer clear because, you know, they wanted to make sure to give these illegal immigrants privacy. So not only do they get your phones, not only do they get your economic resources in the form of taxes, but also they need their privacy. Well, here to discuss this and more, I have Eric July, of course, Blaze TV contributor and founder and owner of Ripaverse Comics. So, um, Eric, it is just <laughs> like I feel like it's bad enough to sit here and say, they're releasing these people, they're processing them, they're giving them, you know, they gotta go visit a court within 60 days. Mm -hmm. These people don't have to visit a court until, 2027 wasn't even the latest that I had heard. I had heard that some were 2032. What in the hell are we doing? I don't know. Um, I, uh, for, the, for that question, <laughs> I don't really have an answer as far as what the, what the objective here uh, actually is, but I will say this: there's so many different angles I want to take on this. But let's first start about start with this whole position on. You got the floor. Take yeah, all of them with this immigration and 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 what's the just more the ethic the ethics behind it and all that. Great Hans Hermann Hoppe once he you know he talks about this all the time about immigration, even from the libertarian perspective and how. As long as like the state exists as it does right now, there's going to be injustices done on either side. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you are a pro uh, immigration or, or or like maybe on the more stricter side. It doesn't matter. There's still going to be injustices uh, done either way. To pretend that away is to be completely disingenuous and completely dishonest to this argument. And you know, Ted Cruz was going on about why aren't they here? The reality is, is such is that a lot of these guys are Beltway libertarians. Get this, get this issue uh, terribly wrong. Oftentimes, because they don't have—I mean, just to be completely honest—they don't experience it. When you're up in the north, northeast, like you're the last person that is going to have to experience any sort yeah. of demographic change, any sort of a uh, uh, kickback, or what economically or not. It does not matter. There's going to be certain issues, but. Even if you're looking at it from the perspective of the of the mi migrants as they embark on this, this incredibly dangerous journey, Cruz talked about like some of the dead bodies. This is the type of stuff it is that 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 is absolutely uh, taking place, and that can't be ignored ignored away. So if we are going to discuss the subject of like morality as it pertains to immigration, we have to look at it in its entire like entire scale. We can't just say, hey, here are men or excuse me, women and children. And that's all that's crossed. They try to better their lives. Everything's going to be hunky dory. Everything's fine. That's just not the this is just not the ultimate reality. There are they have there's also the economic economics of it all from a taxpayer perspective, which you kind of, uh, uh, you know, spoke about. I want people to look at kind of how this country and I encourage them to go research it handles like asylum and how much of your taxpayer yeah. dollars actually are dedicated um, uh, towards that. And this is before these people ever get into the country and have even a job. Right. So it's welfare statism. Yep. Let's call it exactly what it is. So this isn't a case of 
And I think a lot of people, a lot of people would have a lot less issue if there weren't so many dedicated economic resources towards this whole entire issue. But there are. So you can't ha- you can't ex- you can't not expect people to have some sort of uh, strong opinion on the subject matter because they're reaching in your pocket to mm-hmm. uh, initially mm-hmm. pay for this or worse. They're mm-hmm. selling off assets of your unborn children to pay for the for, for this. Mm-hmm. So I'd much rather speak about that. But good luck with all that. Immigration, fortunately, is the more, one of the more politicized subject matters in this country, often by leftists who don't have to feel the brunt of the yep. economic or demographical change when something like this sort of takes place. So they get to just and they're, wherever they're at off. I mean, states away. Right? right. Just saying, hey, we should take them all in. They're not going to be paying a sponsor anybody down there. I'd encourage them. In fact, you can probably everybody that's watching this right now. I'm willing to bet you probably have, uh, let's say, less of an issue if whoever, let's say AOC, Elizabeth Warren, whoever, all of these politicians that, that, that often chime in on these sorts of issues, if they themselves were reaching in their own pockets yeah. for money that they voluntarily obtained and they said, hey, we're going to sponsor one, two, three, a full family of immigrants right. to come live for us, meaning that they're not only going to be under our, 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 house, our house, they're also going to be under our supervision. Right. So there's going to be some sort of, of kickback in the event that, let's say, there's some errors, right. let's say, that right. takes place. But that's not what we have here. The state has completely monopolized the issue, right? So they are supposed to take responsibility for it. And then as they do, of course, they're using your money to pay for it and then they do it ineffectively. Mm -hmm. So this is why I think that the concept of decentralization would actually resolve this issue. Because now what what's what Ted Cruz doing? What is all these other guys doing? Hey, Biden, come save us. Why? Why is not the case that where Texas, where it's Arizona, all of these states are saying, screw you, Fed. If this is an issue, let's deal with it ourselves. It's funny. I just read a story about El Salvador and. They like limited. This is actually remarkable. Wow! If John was here, he I know would love he'd be this. good. No, but I, I, I was just, when I saw the story, I was thinking about him. Ironically enough, but I think in, over the last year, they've not had one homicide, and I was like, "Wow!" But I think what that—that's not just a, that's not a testament to all this just tough on crime. Right. It's, no, it's more of a testament of when you have a particular issue. And it's contained to that smaller geographical area where they can themselves address it. Mm -hmm. You can actually solve the problem. That's not what we got here. We got guys trying to rely on folks in D.C. They have no idea what it's like. In terms of what's happening at the border. So to your point, um, Todd Benzman, who is with the Center for uh, Immigration Studies, he has been on the ground in Mexico and uh, Matamoros. I'm not sure if he has gone somewhere else since a couple days ago, but he was watching when the Texas National Guard came out and they put they put all this razor wire across a large piece of land where immigrants were just walking right on through. He said this has stopped the majority of these crossings in this area. I mean, it's just put it at a standstill. And it's like, no kidding. You mean to tell me that if Texas actually takes measures of their own to finally step up and say, hey, maybe we should stop these strangers from entering our country illegally and put something like a freaking barrier up to prevent them from coming through, it actually works. Wow, who'd have thunk it? And then it's like, you want to give credit to Greg Abbott, but but 
Where the hell was this two years ago? Yeah. It's really that simple. The states need to do it. Now, I'm not saying that the federal government won't go and sue them or try Probably to make will. them stop doing That's it, right? True. They're going to push back. I get it. Yeah. But fight back against yeah. the federal bureaucracy. That's what we were made to do. That's what our forefathers wanted us to do. That's the system that they built so that we could push back on that. And the other thing is, it's just so fascinating to me. Um, we were talking a little bit about the economic resources. It's like when you have Milton Friedman and Bernie Sanders agreeing on something like you can't have open borders and a welfare state coexist. You cannot have both of those things. Bernie, now, Ber Milton Friedman obviously said it in that manner. Bernie Sanders said, well, no, I don't believe in having open borders because then poor people will come from yeah. all across the world. They'll come and here. And then they'll work for other people. That's why he, that's why he had a big, big issue. Right. But it's, they came to a similar conclusion. Right, to the similar, being, right, yeah, to the similar conclusion. They, I mean, they both came to the conclusion. You cannot have both. You clearly can't. I, I just, it's, it's so frustrating because, and I know you always say you can't reason with people who came to their conclusion by way of emotion, mm -hmm. but that's what these people on the left have, that's how they've come to their conclusion because it doesn't take a very, you don't, you don't have to be the brightest individual to understand. There is only so much geographical space and there is only so much resources we have as a country to provide. Yeah. Like you will not sustain bringing in whoever the hell wants to come in just because, oh, well, they want a better life. I I'm sorry, even if they were just women and children, even if they were, like, that that's kind that's just kind of tough, like right? I like, said, we can't take everybody in. There has to be a process. That, but that's the thing. That's where I it's talk It's not that about. I don't, hold on. It's not that I don't feel bad for them. Right. I feel bad for them. I have compassion for them. I, and I, you know what? I, you, there are so many charities and nonprofit organizations that you can donate to to help people like yeah, that. Yeah. The only option isn't just allow everyone into the country. Well, that's the injustice, like I said, that gets done on, on, on both sides. But the fact that, you know, this we, we talk right beyond each other yeah. when, when trying to have that part of the discussion right. is the is the dishonest portion of it. So when they, they won't address the the welfare statism right. or the simple fact, even if you as a staunch of a libertarian and anti-state as someone like like myself is the reality is the reality. Right. Like the fact that the government has it's this idea that like, oh, well, you have to be pro-immigration and, and, and open borders as they describe it because that's the like libertarian position because mm. the it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the state controls the borders, whether they're open or closed, that's an injustice according to the libertarian's position. So your position is illibertarian uh, if mm. mine mm. is, let's say, a, 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 as well, which my position has been this, like I'm operating within the realm of reality. And I say this as someone that lived in South Texas. I lived in South Texas for almost six six years. I've seen it with my with my own eyes in terms of how immigration certainly um, is handled. But also, we cannot ignore the just insane amount of resources that the state pours into it in regards to welfare statism yeah. for for asylum seekers for 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 immigration just in general. And and we can't just say well. We, they just want a better life. Let, let, right. let them go. It's not that simple. Yeah. If it was that simple, I'd be willing to have exactly. that have that conversation. I think exactly. everybody would be. Exactly. If it was that, if there was that situation, we would live in certainly in a more freer economic 
uh, a society where I'm not being taxed to pay for that nonsense, I think people would be more willing to have that conversation. Because then at that point, it's like, well, if you cross it, you're on your own, yep. dude. Like you're, yep. you're. Nobody's going to. There's not gonna be government. You don't get a cell phone. Yeah, you're not getting a you cell phone. You don't get a bus ride. You're not getting a, 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 a check before you get yep. a job. None of that stuff is happening. I think we can then have a more honest conversation. But that's not the case, and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that simple fact and that the state is paying for it one way or the other. So at that point, we have to operate within the realm of reality. What is more conducive to maintaining a more free or more prosperous geographical area, considering that that's the uh, economic reality? Let's have a conversation about that, not this idealistic nonsense where people that have almost no skin in the game, living several states over, sit up here and try to try to dictate how Texas or Arizona Arizona must handle this uh, specific uh, like issue. You're not going to feel the brunt of any kickback. <sighs> Eric, I wish you told me how you felt every once in a while. <laughs> um, all right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. I want to thank Relief Factor. So if you are one of the millions of Americans, you just live in pain. Maybe it's your knee. Maybe it's your back. Maybe it's your neck. Whatever the case may be. Um, it can really affect every area of your life because, you know, you're grumpy all the time. Maybe you're less patient with your spouse, but it just, it's always there, that pain, but it doesn't have to be. You need to try Relief Factor. Relief Factor was developed by doctors, but it's all natural and it targets the inflammation in your body, which usually is the root cause of your pain. So instead of rubbing a topical cream on it, maybe taking an anti-inflammatory, which is obviously a drug with side effects as all drugs could have, um, you use Relief Factor and it could absolutely change your life. Please, please try the three-week quick start pack. Okay, 70% of people who buy it go on to keep ordering more. Guess why? Because it works. It's $19.95. That's it. That's all you have to to pay to see if you can get out of pain. You can go to relieffactor.com. Get that three-week quick start over at (laughs) relieffactor.com. Those of you who are watching on Blaze TV, we appreciate you being a subscriber, as always. We very, very much appreciate it. Um, But those of you who are watching on YouTube, look, I don't know when my time is up at YouTube. I'm I'm making literally zero dollars off of this over from YouTube. Um, But we would at least appreciate you uh, hitting that thumbs up button and make sure that you subscribe to the channel and comment. Let us know what you think about the news of the day. Specifically, I'd love to know the viewers thoughts on this story that we're about to get into, because this is just fascinating to me. So um, United States Marine veteran Daniel Penny surrendered himself to the New York police this morning. He is 24 years old, obviously a very upstanding citizen, clean record, and he was charged with manslaughter in the second degree. This comes about two weeks after the encounter with Jordan Neely, where Penny used restraint to protect the rest of the riders on the subway from this man. This was a man who had a very, very long rap sheet. I believe it was 42 or 44 previous criminal offenses. He hit an elderly woman in the face. I mean, this is not not a good person. So uh, those, those of you who are watching, viewer discretion advised, but this was the incident. All of the witnesses on the train, on the subway, have all said they're praying for him, they appreciated him, they thanked him. There was even, those of you who are listening on audio podcasts who didn't see it, there was even, some people accused him of, uh, uh, initially it was like, oh, this is another George Floyd situation. Some people accused him of being racist because Daniel Penny is white, Jordan Neely is black. Well, one of the men who helped restrain Jordan Neely was, of course, uh, 
person of someone of, of color, it appears to be. So not not a hate crime. It's just that this guy was a danger. He's threatening to kill people if he didn't get his way. Uh, a bunch of witnesses have come out and said that they were all very, very fearful. And so now two weeks later, he's charged. And it's just been fascinating because Mayor Eric Adams initially was very almost weirdly reasonable about the incident and said, well, you know, I don't want to come to any conclusions. Let's wait. I want to let the police do their job. We, you know, they're going to investigate. Don't worry. Um, but we just need to we just need to wait and let them do their job. And then he completely changed his tune and went like full on race wars, I guess. Watch this difference here. Watch. So one of the reasons that this uh, story is really hitting a nerve is because this man uh, appeared to be having mental health issues. This is something that you've talked a lot about. But I want to read to you. This is a response from the comptroller, Brad Lander. He tweeted this. New York City is not Gotham. We must not become a city where mentally ill human can be choked to death by a vigilante without consequence. There's also this from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democratic Congresswoman. She said, Jordan Neely was murdered. What is your response to what they're saying here? Well, uh, both the Congress, Congre Congresswoman and uh, the controller, uh, the controller is a citywide leader. And I don't think that's very responsible at the time where we're still investigating the situation. Let's let the DA uh, conduct his investigation with the law enforcement officials. Uh, to really interfere with that is not the right thing to do. And I'm going to be responsible and allow them to do their job and allow them to determine exactly mm, what happened here. Okay, that was the one older Adams. Here's the new one. Is that a black man? Oh, a black black man. like me. Oh, <laughs> like you. A man named we couldn't Jordan. tell. The name I gave my son. Oh no. A New Yorker who struggled with tragedy, trauma. Mm. and mental illness. Mm. A man whose last words were a cry for help. A man named Jordan Neely. He's taking a play right of the uh, Obama playbook there with Trayvon Martin. He could have been my son, that Trayvon Martin. It is just fascinating to see them completely change their tune. Now, I just, just for... Uh, Perspective here, additional context. Um, this is the same DA Alvin Bragg who has gone after, who's going after Donald Trump. So um, all of these, I mean, Jordan Neely had a rap sheet of all of these crimes. He's still out on the street terrorizing subway riders. But the men and women who, oh my gosh, Marine veteran, a former president, all of these people who've actually done something with their lives. Yeah, let's go ahead and see how we can throw the book at them. Oh, and make it about race. Yeah, this is the unfortunate thing that a lot of people are going to have to uh, face, um, including leftists that live in these areas um, of uh, like the New York cities of the world, where you acting as a responsible human being, which is, of course, what the state or the city or um, by state, I'm using it as more so the government that represents that area. Um, this is what they don't want. And that is you being able to handle yourselves mm -hmm. without having to wait for help in the event that there is a problem. And they use terms like vigilante and mm -hmm. all those terms to sh have people shy away from being able to do that because it makes people less reliant upon them. Um, I, this is a, yet another example of I, I've talked about this many times on the show. If you guys remember when the George Floyd situation, which, of course, was invoked here as well. But if you guys remember that there was a case of a, a pawn shop owner that was getting looted 
and mm -hmm. he aired out rightfully so the uh, uh, the looter and they arrested him for yep. murder. Yep. Now, I believe since then, those the, those charges got dropped. But think about that and what the, what message that sends. It's well, the same exact thing. How about Kyle Rittenhouse, right? Yeah, same the charges thing. didn't get dropped, but he went through the entire process, yeah. was found not guilty. And what's happening to him now? The parents of one of the deceased criminals is suing him civilly. Same. They, like, same. they want you to be too fearful to protect yourself. Yeah, and that's the problem. And uh, again, it works. It's advantageous to the people like the AOCs that are legitimized through basically having this position of, of power where they get to be the ones to dictate what should and should not happen. And they want you as an individual citizen to have basically your hands tied behind your back in any event that right there you can do the right thing. Uh, you can protect yourself. You can protect the people around you. They don't want you um, uh, doing that. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's not that's mm -hmm. not at all the world that I certainly want to live in at all. Um, I would hope that people that are responsible enough, because regardless of, you know, you got someone, it's not, uh, you know, this whole mental health thing, which, yes, it's clear that this guy had some some issues, but it's not on the people that are around there that right. are being threatened right. to sit up here and have to heed to that like that. Nobody right. knows. It's like the, it's the it's akin to the people who act like. You're in the wrong. If let's say you shoot someone is robbing you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you or is trying to steal something from you and you shoot them and you got people who are like, well, they just want to, yeah, to like, protect your stuff. Like, well, you, yeah. Like, well, well, uh, is a human life. Yeah. Worth, isn't it worth more than your property? It's yeah, like, a, yeah. And, and that person felt that way right, when, they, like, when they were stealing from me. Yeah, think, exactly. again, think about the message that, that, that yeah. they're sending right there. It's the same uh, exact thing where they act like you're supposed to give the actual aggressor, mm -hmm. the benefit of the doubt after mm -hmm. they initiated the conflict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look, guys, if you're in new places like New York City, I'm not telling you to live in fear wherever you go. What I'm telling you is you have to, even if you are, may disagree with folks like myself and Sarah uh, politically, you are in areas where you're essentially a sitting duck. Yep. And any event that you are in an, uh, anywhere, and, and, and something happens and you must act like it could be the difference between life and death, uh, serious injury, injury, bodily harm, whatever. And this New York City is essentially saying, don't act. Right. Right. Just wait. Wait for them wait. to do something to you. Right. Yeah. And maybe well, and no even, and even then and even then, how many citizens are going to go? I'm white. He's black. If I do anything, yeah. I'm going to get charged. I, I I better just take it and hope that exactly. I exactly. So think about the lies by uh, by uh, proxy, if you will, that aren't going to be saved right. because of that. Because right. if I have to think twice yep. about protecting myself or the people around me, that's the second that maybe someone's life gets cost. Like that's the true yep. thing that I think in this country that we need to address. It's this reliance on police officers. It's this reliant on on government officials. To have to then, and they're the response agency at best anyway, and then they tie your hands behind your back not wanting you to be able to act. That's nonsense. Right. Um, all right. We got to go to break, but I do want to really quickly here. I want to, I'm going to read the definition of second degree manslaughter in New York. Um, and, you know, those of you who are viewing, you saw the video. Um, I know there's additional context, but uh, prosecuted for manslaughter in the second degree if 
you recklessly cause the death of another person. Now, um, there are some other definitions, but this is the only one. There's some about abortion or you intentionally help someone commit suicide. So you recklessly cause the death of another person. And according to New York penal law, acting recklessly as used in manslaughter in the second degree statute is defined as being aware that your actions present a substantial risk that someone could be killed and disregarding that risk. So we'll see how this plays out. It really does just seem like a horrible miscarriage of justice that this guy has to go through this in the first place. Um, all right. We want to thank our sponsor, uh, Consumer Tax Credit. So look, uh, you probably did the tough thing during COVID. You paid your people and you pulled your business through the pandemic. And now doing the tough thing could actually qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee over at covidtaxrelief.org. Government funds are available to reward companies with two or more employees who stayed open during COVID. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. It's complicated, but nobody knows more about it than the CPAs and tax experts at covidtaxrelief.org. You're going to pay nothing up front. They do all the work and then they're going to share a percentage of the cash that they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify including those who took PPP loans, even if you had increases in sales. Let covidtaxrelief.org help you get up to $26,000 per employee. You can go to covidtaxrelief.org. That is covidtaxrelief.org. Elon Musk has announced his new Twitter CEO. He tweeted out, I'm excited to welcome Linda Yaccarino as the new CEO of Twitter. She will focus primarily on business operations while I focus on product design and new technology. Looking forward to working with Linda to transform this platform into X, the everything app. Now, uh, just for those of you who are not familiar with Linda Yaccarino, she was up until recent, very recently, the NBC Universal head of advertising and oh, also has just a little bit of a role with the World Economic Forum. She is the chairman of the Task Force on Future of Work. And uh, she frequently, if you go look through her Twitter, a review shows that she frequently engages or likes a lot of content from uh, Elon and some of his top allies. She follows libs of TikTok and other conservative talking heads. And uh, I want to, here's a 2020 interview here. She praised Jeff Schell and Brian Roberts, her bosses at NBC Universal and Comcast, Comcast for taking steps to fight social justice and equality. Watch. Under the leadership of Brian Roberts and Jeff Schell, uh, Comcast set up a fund to the value of $100 million to fight social justice and equality, and, and obviously supporting many, many important groups. But it really made a very public statement that we're going to put our money where our mouth is, we're not going anywhere, and it inspired action across every corner of our company. Because what it also did was made leadership of our company accountable. What do you make of this, Eric? Yeah, uh, terrible hire. I'm gonna be completely <laughs> honest. Now, yes, I, I wanna be fair um, here. I just do believe that there were certainly better options out there. I think this was a weird choice. Mm -hmm. Ideally speaking, and this is wholly ideally, she is gonna be able to remove her personal views from the job it is that she is supposed to be providing or the feeling, let's say, uh, as CEO of Twitter. If that is the case, people are going to have less problem with it. But when you look at her track record, some of the things she said, she promised, jab, all of that stuff. If you if she wasn't, let's say, a CEO, we'd be calling her, let's say, 
not so good of a uh, uh, of a hire. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I would hope that Elon Musk didn't do all of this work because I will say I think we all can agree that Twitter is certainly better than what it had been years past. Yes, because you know we got people that are being that have got reactivated. You're not as whether you think it's completely free speech as some people deem it as irrelevant it's at least better comparatively not only to itself but to other major uh, social media platforms in fact i would argue it's the most free of the mm-hmm. of the social media platform and that you re- less likely to let's say be banned um uh, uh, depending on what it is that you're discussing so now we have someone who yeah uh, they're going to present it or they're presenting it already that she's kind of this centrist, which I hate that term, but because she does follow and keep up with right. people that are on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, despite her going on record, having positions that seem to more so align uh, with the left. Right. So, yeah, I guess I can try to be optimistic and say maybe she has the capacity to be able to separate that from the business. But then again, she was just giving NBC credit for actually merging those specific issues, right? So I, I, I don't know. So everybody's going to treat it with caution. I don't know anybody that's looking at that and saying, oh, this is a good, this is a, a absolute great, great hire. But if she's separate and she's open about that, like, hey, my personal politics, my personal views has absolutely nothing to do with my position. It is that I'm trying to feel here then we'll forget about it, her being the CEO. But you best believe any event that we start seeing any sort of increase in in censorship or anything of that nature, people are going to point to that high right there. So a couple things. Number one, um, typically with people who are, I'm trying not to generalize too much here, um, who talk about fighting for social justice and equality and all of these. It's, it's the same, I go back to you know, your point about people who are making decisions based on emotion. Yep. That seems to be those types of people. Absolutely. Typically those people aren't able to separate I agree. the two components, right? Like that's just how they live their lives. So I am not very optimistic that she will be able to. Yeah, and you're completely right on that, Sarah, that Oftentimes, because and they actually try to put that type of idea because they expect their enemies to act like that as well. Yes. It was like that with my company with the Riververse stuff. Yep. When I said and I deemed it as we're apolitical, the company itself right. is not like me going on some crusade about anarcho-capitalism. Right. right? right. I could have did that, right. but it didn't. Yep. It's, a, it's, a, it's completely a, apolitical. You will maybe find things that are on either side or, or or whatever, but we're not trying to represent modern politics, let's say, in our in our comic book. And then you'd have people that would say because it wasn't, quote unquote, woke. Right. It's political uh, by, by default and, and all this stuff. So they think that everybody operates like them because, to your point, that's how they operate. Right. They and right. you saw that after 2020, all these companies started to tell on themselves. They started uh, investing in all sorts of different forms of activism and other weird yep. stuff. So oftentimes, man, you can't. They can't separate it. So I think it is perfect, perfectly reasonable for someone to look at this hire and be like, yeah, this doesn't spell too good for this platform. Yeah, I, it seems like a wasted effort, though. For it does. Elon. I know. I know. That, that's why I don't. That's why I can't make sense of it. But then it's like, so he still owns it. Yes. Yes. So he could potentially just fire her, right? Like he could just fire her if he doesn't like the decisions that she's making. So maybe that's where he's at is just like, I'll give her a shot 
And if, you know, I mean, he could potentially just be like, I'll give her a shot and in a week I'll post up a Twitter poll and ask if I should fire her. <laughs> and if the Twitter poll says yes, I'll just can her ass. I was hoping that he was like pulling up epic troll and was going to come out as like non-binary or something like that. And it was going <laughs> to be him. It was going to be him. It was going to be him. Yeah, still yeah. Being, I was hoping he did. I saw our friend, uh, I saw our friend Zuby say, say that he wanted it to just be Shelon Musk. <laughs> he, <laughs> was an, he was announcing the, CE, the new CEO is Shelon Musk and it's just good. Elon in a wig. <laughs> um, all right, we got to take another quick break, but I want to uh, want to thank our sponsor here, Jace Medical. So, look, um, I want you to picture for a second what it would be like if all of a sudden the global medication supply chain of antibiotics just disappeared right before our very eyes. I mean, most of the medicine in this country is manufactured not here. It's coming from China and India. And you can bet when when things go down, as we saw in COVID, they're going to take care of their own needs first if they can even manufacture it. Okay, so you got to be prepared just in case someone you love needs antibiotics and something like that happens. Uh, there simply aren't any to be had if you find themselves in that place. Well, you shouldn't because you got to use the Jace case from Jace Medical. It's a great way to keep yourself prepared for the worst. It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a very long list of bacterial illnesses, UTIs, respiratory infections, sinus, sinusitis, skin infections, a lot more. So here's the thing. It's a great way to be ready for shortages, but who wants to go to the pharmacy anyway? I don't. I have kids and I know when something is coming on, I know, okay, and I don't have time to go to the doctor, to have them tell me something that I already know, to go to the pharmacy, to get the prescription filled, to bring it home and start getting them better. That is why I love the Jace case. You really, really don't want to get caught unprepared and just have it there for convenience, especially if you're a mom like me and you don't have time. You know your kid, you know what's wrong with them, you just want to get them better. You can go to jacemedical.com, enter code NEWS at checkout. That is promo code NEWS over at jasemedical.com. It's Friday, which means we are doing another segment of Dear Sarah. You guys have been sending in a ton of emails over to dearsarahattheblaze.com. Um, so if you need advice, make sure you send it our way. But um, we're trying to get to all of them. So if you've sent it in, be patient because we're going we're going through them, I promise. Um, so here, today's Dear Sarah says, my wife and I want to move from the leftist crap show that is Washington State to Tennessee next year. I'm originally from Alabama, Roll Tide, and my wife is originally from Tennessee. We both came to Washington due to the military, me when I enlisted, and she was a military brat. Uh, we have two young sons together, and I have a 14-year-old from my previous marriage, and custody is one week with his mom, one week with us, etc. Our only concern is that when we move, we know that our 14-year-old will have to split his time between the two states. This is the only reason we didn't move earlier. We are conservative and his mother and stepdad are very left. Our issue is whether or not we should raise our two young sons in an area where we want to live and can all grow and be around like-minded people or stay here and wait until the 14-year-old is older. Also, the 14-year-old is slightly conservative, but the chances of him choosing to spend most of the year with us is very slim. Any advice would be very helpful. Sincerely questioning movers. So, it's a great question and I, I completely understand and empathize with the dynamics of your blended family situation. Um, personally, I would not want a child being moved away from their mom, um, but it, it would be interesting to see the dynamics of your custody arrangement because obviously the kid can't, like they gotta go to school in one place, right? So they would have, they would have to have roots somewhere. 
I would say you got to do what's best for your kid. And I think your kid needs their parents all in the same central location, if possible, so that they can be loved and nurtured by both parents and have a stable environment. I totally understand wanting them to grow up conservative, but I do think that there's a way that you can do that. Even in Washington state, there's got to be a group near you. There have got to be like-minded individuals that are in your community that you guys can gravitate towards, that he can be ex you know, exposed to, that he can spend time with, that you guys can still instill those conservative values in him without having to uproot, uh, uproot his entire life. And then he spends, I guess, half the time with you and, and half the time with his mom, but I'm just still not sure how that would work. So. I would personally say you got to do what's best for the kids. And I think the kids having a stable mom and dad as close as possible, I think is the best thing for the kid. And then as he moves, you know, as he grows up and turns 18, get the hell out of Washington state and move to Tennessee. Like as quick on his 18th birthday, be like, all right, son, we're leaving. You know where you can find us. But that's just my personal opinion. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, that's a tough one, man. Yeah, I guess it, it, is. it would be, to me at least personally, determined by um, obviously your arrangement, court arrangement, and how that's going to get mixed up. Yeah, I don't think you – Yeah. My, if you even I've never do that. That's why I've never I mean? seen one that you could do that, but I don't presume to know what yeah, they exactly. what they worked out. So whatever you got worked out or what additionally would have to get worked out any event that let's say you did that I think is is first and foremost and also you know, you didn't speak, at least to my knowledge, I didn't in that letter any like ill will on the mother. Right. Uh, or anything of like speaking down or maybe on her duties and not being able to provide them. Right. So, you know, it'd be a lot easier to make a decision. It was like, oh, well, she's an unhelpful piece of crap and right. doesn't do anything. And then it's like, all right, well, if you can make that arrangement, you make that arrangement. But, you know, you're in a difficult situation. For me, it would, it would start with like, what does that even look like? Mm -hmm. What does that even look like? And if it looks like something unreasonable where the court would say, well, the Custody would have to stay more so, lean more towards her way because you guys, uh, I guess this, the person was raised there in school. They're going to lean towards mother, mother maybe or whatever. And so in the event that you move, they'd have to be more so be rooted there. Then at that point, it's not worth it. You might as well be around them to raise them. You know? yeah. So you're in a difficult situation. Well, that's why I um, I know we got to go here in a second, but I do, I'm not a fan of the one week on, one week off custody arrangements. I think that every kid needs like a, a stable it just feels like a, a whole lot of tumultuous, like you're adjusting to getting at dads and then you got to go back and you're adjusting to get a, getting back at moms and then you got to go. But it just seems like the kid is being like going back and forth a little bit too much. But I certainly can empathize with um, with your position. And I mean, I want to get the hell out of Washington State, too. So I get it. Obviously, it's your decision, not mine. But I will trust that you guys are qualified and loving parents and uh, you will make the best decision for your children and yourselves. We appreciate you sending in the question. Make sure that you guys get your advice, questions, dating, tips, whatever over at DearSarahAtTheBlaze.com. We will be right back. Senator Dianne Feinstein is uh, back at work or something like that after a two-month absence due to a severe case of shingles that left her hospitalized. She was wheeled back into work on Thursday. The Huffington Post revealed that she was trembling and very confused as she greeted Chuck Schumer. Uh, according to them, who actually saw this take place, she was asking the people who were wheeling her, 
where am I going? And continuing to tell them, I've got something in my eye, which if you saw the pictures of her was, seemed to be very evident because she's, she's look, she's not well, she's 89 years old. Um, this is like a weekend at Bernie's situation at this point, these, look. You got to give it to the Democrats that they are very dedicated to their ideology. And if that means pushing up a an 89-year-old woman who has no idea where she's at and is scared and really needs to probably go to a nursing home, but they're going to wheel her in anyway because they're going to have make sure that she votes the right way. They're going to do that because they are dedicated to their cause. Yeah, man. I mean, talk about dinosaurs. It's it's a few of them that certainly lean on the Democrats. And it's just like <laughs> these people are running your country or at minimum they have a say in, in, in the direction that the, the country is going to go in. And that to me just is absolutely scary that you can have some man that I mean, to be fair, once the president as well, who's old and incompetent and they can make decisions that greatly impact your life. Mm -hmm. I don't say that as a black pill. I just say that because there seems to be a fundamental problem with that system that allows something like what you just saw, somebody that has no business being anywhere near uh, uh, that to be making such decisions is getting rolled into Mm -hmm. barely barely able to kind of operate. And it's not just her. Oh, it's president. President. It's Fetterman. Schumer was right there in front of me. Oh, God. A bunch of dinosaurs, man. Uh, Just ruling the country. What could possibly go wrong? Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.